podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. So to get started, why don't we start looking back at your college career and give us some insight into your recruitment at UConn. Why'd you end up picking UConn? And what was Gino's pitch to you at the time? Because I'm sure it's pretty different than what his pitch is to some of the recruits yeah. today. Okay, well, first of all, that was a long time ago. So <laughs> we're, we're going back in the archives of my memories here. Um, no, you know, UConn uh, wasn't quite uh, the juggernaut that it is today. Um, so for a, a local Connecticut girl, Um, At the time, there wasn't this like, oh, my dream is to go up and play at the University of Connecticut. Um, But obviously being close enough to home where I could, you know, have the support of my family um, certainly played into it. Um, You know, a lot of kids get recruited by a lot of schools. So as time went on and I started to narrow things down, um, you know, I don't know if I remember specifics about um, the recruiting process, but I certainly remember um, being intrigued by his vision um, of where the program could go. Uh, I'm not sure any of us quite envisioned the 1995 season, but certainly it felt like a program on the rise, and that was something that um, was exciting to me, wanting to be a part of the program, um, getting to a certain level but also knowing that they had had already had some success and he had the credibility of being able to coach them, um, you know, to a, to a high level nationally. So you talk about that vision that, that he pitched you on and you were on that first UConn women's team to win an NCAA championship. What was that like from your perspective, you know, being able to be part of that, you know, the only part of that group that that can claim they're the first champions from UConn on the women's side. Yeah, you know, it's really special to all of it's all very special to all of us. I mean, it, again, I don't remember him ever specifically saying come to UConn and be a part of the first national championship team. And maybe he did, but that's not something that was very like a specific memory to me. They had already been to a final four in 1990. You know, I arrived two years later. I remember them talking about the recruitment of Rebecca Lobo um, and being able to play with an all-American caliber post player. I remember them talking about their point guard, Debbie Bear, being a senior and graduating, and the opportunity to play right away was there. Um, and then I remember going up to a practice and being feeling like, hey, this is, this is kind of it for me. This is what I'm looking for. And so I think all those pieces fell into place um, within the next few years, obviously, with Rebecca going there and myself and Jamel showing up and, and then Carla and Kara coming in, and then obviously Nikisha Sales a year later. Um, you know, it was a really special experience because we never started that season saying, let's be undefeated and win a national championship. We just started that season thinking, well, we fell short. We were at the Elite Eight last year and we're hungry to be even better. And uh, the wins just kept coming. And I don't think it was until halfway through the season that we started thinking about the fact that we might be able to go undefeated through that year. So uh, I think that's part of why it made that year so special is that we didn't we didn't, we didn't set out expecting that exactly to happen. So you had success in college at UConn. You played professionally for a bit. When did it hit you that, that you wanted to get into coaching and that was going to be your next step? Uh, actually, never until, until it was offered to me. Um, 
I never thought about coaching. Uh, I was playing in Houston. I got a call from Pat Miser uh, at the University of Hartford. Um, it was like the end of August, maybe very beginning of September, and her coach had just been um, released. And she was looking for somebody quickly and short term. And I, until that call, I never, never even considered being a basketball coach, to be honest with you. Interesting. And then, then you look in 17 years later, uh, you know, yeah. as, as you wrap up at University of Hartford, what was it like to really get in there and, and build that program up? You, you yeah. led them to their first NCAA tournament appearance. So what was that process like from you to build that program, you know, to where it is today? Yeah, well, looking back, obviously, I didn't really have a lot of control of how my career started. Um, but looking back, I think a lot about how the fact that I walked into a rebuild probably made the profession intriguing to me because it was like, it was a challenge. It was like, okay, we're picked to finish last. How do we, how do we, you know, disprove that expectation? Um, and then it was, oh, well, you know, I don't, I maybe don't know a whole lot about coaching, but I know a lot about building the culture the right way and recruiting the right people because that's what we did at UConn. Um, so let me try to implement some of that here. So I never really had any doubts about knowing the game and being able to put in plays or teach defense. Um, but having a chance to grow up and learn the profession and learn what it meant to build a culture, um, is, is the reason I stayed as long as I did. And the reason that I think I fell in love with the profession is being able to impact not just my own career path and my own success, but now having that ability to do that for 15 young women and, and hopefully help them experience a championship in an NCAA tournament um, was really, really exciting for me to think about. So you, you made the move, and, and you're at GW now. What's been the biggest difference from you for you as you moved from the America East to the Atlantic 10? And, and what did you take away from your time at University of Hartford that you've been able to apply uh, you know, to, what, to what you think makes you a better coach now? Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I was able to grow up in the profession. So being somewhere when you're 25 and then finishing there when you're over 40 um, certainly allows you to grow as a professional and also personally being able to raise my family and make sure that I have the time that I needed on the personal side. Um, so I think it just gave me really good balance and perspective about, um, you know, that, that work-life um, piece that so many people miss in the coaching profession. Um you know, I didn't have to make a lot of sacrifices. I was able to enjoy my family, have them be a part of my program, um, make my players part of my family. Um, and so I feel like in addition to having a lot of success there and learning how to build and sustain a championship culture, um, I really learned a lot about what it was like to create a family culture, a family atmosphere and the level of trust with my players to make them want to play for me. Um, so I think the biggest difference with leaving um, Hartford and coming to the Atlantic 10 is the level of parity and competitiveness within the conference. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, coaches that, that have been there a long time. I felt like in the America East, it was a, a carousel of coaches. So when a program got good, their coaches then left. So there was a, we always had a different rival probably every three to four years, whereas in the A-10, there's, um, you know, there's more like set, you know, kind of rivalries and history within programs. And um, there's a higher level player from, from the top to bottom, I would say. 
um, and a higher level play from best team to worst team. So my, my, my first year, I remember my coaching being very much tested because there were no, um, you know, 30 or 40 point blowouts. Um, we were, we were having to really grind it out every single game. Um, the fact that there's players in our league that can play in the WNBA, um, is, is a big difference. And I think for me, institutionally, the reputation that GW has from academics, um, all the way down to their basketball tradition certainly makes it a more attractive destination for recruits. So I wouldn't say that recruiting, it makes recruiting easier. It just allows me to maybe recruit a, um, a broader, uh, group of players. So along with your, your coaching at GW, you're spending some time with Team USA. What has that experience been like uh, for you? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, really, to be around another group of uh, high-level coaches that I can learn from, to watch the professional players um, prepare themselves, both physically, mentally, emotionally, every day to do their job, um, to see how, how things are done in a different way, to watch other countries run plays and end-of-game situations. Um, it's like hands-on learning experience for me every day that I'm there. Uh, and then certainly it gives me a tremendous opportunity to serve my country, you know, obviously in a different way than the military does. But I think that these women that we're coaching um, are a big source of pride for a lot of young women in our country and to be able to, to help be one of the leaders of that group and watch this team perform at uh, the highest, highest level uh, when they're winning six consecutive gold medals in the Olympics. Um, just it's, it's really important to be a part of setting that example. With Team USA, you're getting to work with uh, another college basketball head coach and Don Staley. And uh, obviously, from your, your time with Gino, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from these two when it comes to coaching? Yeah, uh, it's funny. I, 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 what I think I appreciate the most through all of the different coaches that I've worked with, and specifically Don and Gino, is that there's just so many different ways to be successful in this pro in this profession. Um, but at the end of the day, the relationships that you have with your players is ultimately what kind of can make or break you. So even though those relationships may be built differently, even though the cultures in, in South Carolina's program versus University of Connecticut's program are built differently, um, you can see the level of trust and respect and the relationships that are built with those head coaches and their players. Um, so at the end of the day, whether they're with the team for four years or they're with the team for three weeks trying to win a gold medal, um, the players truly trust and respect um, Don and Gino. And I think that makes uh, is a clear example to me how much those relationships really matter in our profession. Yeah. So, so looking ahead to this year, can you give us a bit of a preview of, of the GW team this year? I know you guys will be making a return. Uh, you'll be making a return back to Connecticut by playing a game against Quinnipiac here this year. Uh, yeah. What are you looking forward to in, in your team this year? I'm really excited about the team. We have uh, actually seven new players of our 13 on the roster um, in all forms. We've got a couple grad transfers, a transfer that sat out and that's now eligible, a couple red shirt players, and then two incoming freshmen, or I guess current freshmen. Um, and so we have a lot of um, versatility and depth. Um, we obviously need some time to, to gel and work together, but I feel like the pieces of the puzzle that we have returning from last year um, have the ability to help us do that quickly. 
Um, I'm excited about how dynamic we can be, um, that we can play a lot of different styles and we can match up against a lot of different kinds of teams, uh, Quinnipiac being one of them. Our goal every year is to try and play the best. Um, whether it's some of the best in the country or it's a, a lot of times the best in their conference. Um, so between like a Princeton, a James Madison, a Quinnipiac, we're playing conference champions. And that's important to us to be tested against other teams that have a high level of success year in and year out like Trish has done at Quinnipiac. How do you think that playing those top teams then preps you for a 10 season? Well, like I said earlier, there's there's so much comp- high level of competition and parity in the A-10 that I think it's important that we get tested um, and we don't have any easy nights. I don't want our team to ever think they can take a night off or day off. I want them to understand what it takes to be successful for an entire season. So when I put them up against, you know, opening week, we've got Villanova and then we've got uh, Princeton and then Lehigh and then Maryland and Memphis. And we're putting in front of them all of these teams that, um, are either big names or have had a lot of success in their time and have winning records consistently, it, it forces them to be bring their A game every single day. Um, so I like the thought that they're going to be exposed and that they're going to have success and they're going to have failures so that when we get into January, uh, we feel like we've already experienced everything. So you talk about the parity at the A-10 level. How would you describe the current state of women's college basketball as a whole? Because I think we have seen more parity lately in that narrative of people claiming that UConn's bad for the sport because they always win, just has to die down at some point. How would you describe the current state of women's college basketball? Well, first of all, I would say that UConn dominating forced other programs to raise the level of play. And that's the most important thing to keep in mind is that they didn't go down to their level. They forced Notre Dame and Stanford and Mississippi State to get better because those coaches are really good and really competitive. And so that's what's made it really fun to watch. And I still think there's probably only, you know, six to eight, maybe some years, 10 teams that can actually win a championship. Um, But I do think we're seeing more parity throughout you know, 20 through 50 in the country. Um, You're seeing more upsets in the first round of the NCAA tournament because teams, you know, at our A-10 level and some of these other conferences out West and in the Midwest, uh, South Dakota State and Gonzaga, they they have the programs that can compete at a BCS level every single day. So I think that there's, um, you know, more more respect for for us, I guess, what you call mid-majors. I think that... um, you, even in our own conference, uh, even if there's a favorite, it's always every coach will tell you, yeah, there's probably five to eight of us that could win the tournament. So there's always that, like, we got to be playing good in, in, in March because there's too many good teams to have to go through to win an A-10 championship. So I think you're seeing that across the country as well, is that it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do, and it's a tough uh, uh, to to get to a Final Four, to win a national championship, to make the NCAA tournament, or whatever your goal is, is definitely getting harder for everybody. I'll get you out of here with a couple of quick ones here. Everyone knows the type of guy and the personality that Gino has. What's your best Gino story from having spent so much time with him? I don't have – I don't know if I have just one best Gino story. Uh, you know, all I'll say is that um, – you know, I actually had a, a GW fan come up and ask me about him the other day and whether or not he was, uh, 
you know, he seems so serious and hard on you. Is he, you know, is he nasty? And I said, nasty? No, that's the furthest. That's like the last word I would use to describe his coaching. I mean, he forces you to play at such a high level and be accountable for so many things that it prepares you for everything after. Um, that's why whether we're in coaching or we, we're playing professionally, you see so many UConn alums so successful in, in life after Connecticut. And I think that's what his legacy will always be. And I know he'll have the most national championships, but at the end of the day, the amount of successful women he has placed in professional life um, is amazing to me. And I think it's because he, he teaches us the qualities that it takes to be successful every single day. So, and he does it in a fun way. I certainly remember times he was hard on me, that he made fun of me. He has a lot of stories that he loves to share about my temperament. Um, but I will say that he always respected my competitiveness. He learned to help me channel how to be a great leader. Um, and I think he teaches all of us um, the life lessons and what it takes to be successful. So, um, and now it's just fun to be a colleague with him and to be able to share some of the stories that we have from our playing days and um, to be able to laugh a little bit about maybe how we both were, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, but certainly he is, he is a master at what he does at motivation. And, and uh, at the same time, he knows how to do it in a way that makes you feel like he really cares about you. That's awesome. And I'll get you out of here with this one as the last question. If we take out the championship run, what would you say was your most memorable experience during your time at UConn? Um, I, that's another hard question to answer. If, I, if I'm thinking about basketball, I, I think that I remember, um, you know, the challenges of my senior year after finally winning a championship and having a target on our back all year um, getting back to the final four, um, beating, um, Vanderbilt and, you know, that feeling of elation that we had these expectations that Rebecca graduated and no one thought we were capable of sustaining that high level. I'll, I'll never forget that feeling of accomplishment that the season, it took forever. Like I remember wanting to rush through that season just to get to the NCAA tournament so we could prove that we were really good. Uh, I'll never forget that feeling of being able of arriving at the final four my senior year. But to be honest with you, um, you know, people ask me all the time if I keep in touch with my teammates. And um, I think I had six of them in my wedding when I got married. Um, I've been in a lot of their weddings. Um, we stay in touch. I think the relationships and the times that we had um, hanging out in the hotel, you know, going out on campus, uh, watching 90210 in the hotel in the, our dorm rooms. I mean, the times that we spent with each other off the floor and the fun that we had is just, you know, young women in college and the relationships we built is definitely the best part of my college experience. That's awesome. Coach Rosati, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, really appreciate it and best of luck this season. Yeah, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod, the host at Jared Kotler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.